Well, I'm excited to be able to uh, introduce the overseers this morning. Um, I'll let them introduce themselves individually, but I want to introduce them as a group. Uh, today, as Shelley mentioned, uh, we have our annual meeting after church, uh, and uh, this is this is a priority for uh, church members. Uh, everybody's welcome. We, we, we do our business in the open, but uh, this is something that's important for us as covenant community, as those who are committed together um, by our declaration of faith, by our uh, union with Christ, and therefore our union with one another, and those who have committed then uh, to live in covenant community together as a church, uh, we, we prioritize life together. We're not always great at it, but it's something that we choose, and we choose to come to God, and, and because Jesus built his church and is building his church, because Jesus loves his bride, and he is the head of us, his body, uh, we demonstrate our devotion to him by our devotion to one another within the body. So today at that annual meeting, we'll be um, welcoming some new members. Uh, we've got others who will, who will come in uh, a little later in the year, but still working out some of the paperwork and so on. Uh, but but uh, today we'll, we'll welcome some new members. We'll vote on the overseers, those that we as a congregation uh, agree uh, to recognize their authority according to the scripture and according to God's uh, selection. And so as we uh, do that, uh, and that, that includes me, there are seven of us total. Um, as we do that, I'm reminded of Paul uh, and his emphasis so often in, in all of his letters, Paul has this strong emphasis on the trustworthiness of the messenger, the trustworthiness of the leaders. And when he talked to Timothy, uh, the young pastor at Ephesus, and, and he was encouraging him to grow in his faith. One of the things that Paul emphasized with him is that you know the people from whom you've learned this truth. You can trust them, and therefore you can trust that word. It's important for us as we vote on the overseers to know who we're talking about, to know these men. And so for many of you, you do. For some of them, maybe you don't. Uh, for some of you, maybe you don't. And maybe you don't know their story of faith, their journey. How did they get to this place? I think that's an important thing for us to share. And particularly, particularly, easy for me to say, on this day, as we uh, as we endeavor to vote uh, this affirmation, this approval of the overseers as a leadership council. And so, um, those of you who were with us. Uh, prior to Advent might remember our time in 1 Thessalonians. And in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul emphasizes um, his ministry among them. And the reason that they could trust the message is because they could trust the messengers, because of the personal investment that they, that they showed there. Paul says similar things in virtually all of his letters. <clears throat> Excuse me. Our memory verse for today is from 2 Thessalonians 2.8. I'll be reading it. It's printed for you in the New Living Translation in your program. I'm going to read it from uh, the New International Version, 1984 edition, which we all know is heaven's preferred translation. Uh, and so as I read it here, 
this is exactly the heart that we have as the overseers share their testimonies. Paul writes, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. He goes on to talk about what that looked like among them, but this idea of the dearness, of the openness, the commitment of the leadership as well as as those that they were leading, the commitment to a perpetual intimacy to be vulnerable to one another. No secrets, nothing hidden, just to know this is who we are. And one of the things that we talked about as overseers is when you hear these stories today, you'll, you'll hear Dennis's story and Chuck's story and, uh, and Gary's story and Todd's story and Wayne's story and Jeff's story, but ultimately, it's really not their story. If we have time, maybe you'll hear some of my story, but I'm up here all the time. You get to hear me talk about it all the time. This is God's story. When Paul says that we were delighted not only to share the gospel of God, it's God's gospel. It's the good news about God, the good news about Jesus Christ, but it belongs to Him. Our story, our personal life story, doesn't really belong to us. It belongs to Him. It's for His glory. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to pray, and then uh, I'll invite my brother to come up, and we'll we'll get to rolling. Father. Today, as we gather, there are a lot of burdens that we carry. We have the insert in the program to remind us throughout the week how we can pray for one another. Lord, right now I want to acknowledge that you have called us, actually commanded us to carry one another's burdens. We know, and your word tells us, but we know from experience that we are not strong enough to carry these burdens, our own or others, but you are. So, Father, help us to cast them at your feet, knowing that you care for us. Right now, Lord, I know that... uh, My own mind is distracted by the difficulties that many in our congregation are facing. Several fighting cancer. Several fighting situations at home that are gut-wrenching and heartbreaking. Many struggling right now with besetting sins, habits that just don't feel like they can break. They they know that your grace is big, but it's so hard to know it when we're so used to failure. Thank you that it's not our story. It's all yours. Great is your faithfulness. Father, we thank you That even though we have 
been so prone to wander in this world. That you welcome us. That you bring us to yourself. Help us to open the gate of our heart and welcome you in. We can identify so well with the thief on the cross. We thank you for the one in the middle who saved us. Lord, help us to turn our eyes to Jesus at all times and to know beyond a shadow of doubt that any any good in us, any ability to be righteous is not, it's not us. It's Christ in us. So that you receive all the glory through Christ and in your church forever and ever. Amen. Shelly, what's next? Band or Dennis? Dennis, all right, come on up. those of you who don't know me, uh, I am Dennis. I've been uh, coming to real life for close to 13 years now, and, uh, and I've been an overseer for the last year. Um, so here we go. <laughs> Is that on? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> uh, Twice is, uh, is the number of times that I've come to Christ, or at least I thought that I had. Um, I didn't grow up going to church. My family wasn't religious at all. When I was a freshman in high school, a, a youth pastor moved in next door to us, and he was always harassing, I say harassing, at the time it felt like it, my brother and I to, to come to youth group with him, and uh, we didn't want to. We tried to avoid him as much as we could, and uh, I had already fallen in with the wrong group of people by that point, um, and I didn't really want anybody telling me what I could or couldn't do. Um, there were some older kids in the neighborhood who I'd already started hanging out with, and I'd already started making bad choices. I was uh, about 15 when I started smoking. Um, I started going to parties and drinking around the same, the same time. Um, I was really short and overweight <laughs> my freshman year, and I got picked on a lot at school. Um, so with this group, I felt like I, I really belonged, and I didn't want to have that taken away. Um, it, it took a while, like really too long, to realize I was headed in a direction that I didn't want to go. So I finally gave in to my youth pastor, uh, and that was my junior year, and went to, went to my first youth group meeting. Um, Went to a handful of the meetings, played some games. I went on a weekend retreat with them, and I uh, I got caught up in the excitement of that weekend. And I thought that I was that I had found what I was looking for, and I decided to uh, to be Christian. And I I was like 17. I had no idea what that meant. Um, 
I never attended church, only went to the youth group. And the youth group was one of those where you go and play games and have fun and never really learn anything. Uh, and my attendance there didn't last very long. Um, I had two people who I really connected with, but one of them went away to college and the other one died in a car accident uh, my junior year. And without that connection, I just fell away from, from the group and back to my old friends and my old ways pretty quickly. Um, the remainder of high school, I struggled to keep passing grades. I, I partied a lot and uh, I made several choices that should have put me either in jail or in the hospital. Um, I won't go into details, but the adult me is very disappointed with younger me. Um, I managed to graduate with a higher than expected GPA, so I thought no harm, no foul. Uh, after high school, I was working two jobs, but I was still partying quite a bit more than I, than I should have been with no clear direction for my life. Uh, and there was this, uh, this army recruiter, he would not stop calling me two to three times a week all summer. Guy just kept calling. I finally told him, look, if I come in and talk to you, will you just leave me alone? And he agreed to, so I went in and talked to him, and uh, I came out with paperwork signed. So, <laughs> um, so <laughs> he, he was good at what he did. Uh, I'll give him that. So I went to basic training uh, and what, uh, what is called advanced individual training, or AIT, for those of you who are military. Um, I took my Bible because it was one of the only things I was allowed to have there, and I hate to say it, but looking back, I probably opened it half a dozen times over that seven months. Uh, my first duty station was in Germany, and when I got there, I was 19 and of legal drinking age in Germany, so it didn't take me long to go downhill. I drank constantly. Uh, I went to clubs three nights a week and to a, uh, to a local bar the other four. My friends, and I use that term loosely, were all the same way. <clears throat> Most mornings I couldn't remember what I'd done the night before or, uh, or how I even got back to my barracks. I was lonely, I never had money, and I was angry all the time. I was depressed, and when it started to affect me physically and have an impact on my job performance and personal life, um, I knew something had to change. My, my actions were selfish and hurtful, and I caused a lot of pain to those around me. It was without doubt the darkest part of my life, which honestly I'd thought about ending several times in the year that, that led up to this. Uh, I didn't recognize myself anymore, and I hated the person that I'd become. So in a, a last-ditch effort, I volunteered for a deployment as part of a, a special group, a small team from my brigade. I knew there was no alcohol available on deployment and figured four months away from everyone and everything was exactly what I needed. Uh, fortunately, I was selected and I deployed shortly after. When I came back, I avoided my old crowd. I didn't drink, I didn't go to clubs or bars, and I spent most of my time alone. Uh, things went really well for the next six months. Uh, and then I returned to the States and went to my next duty station. It took me about two weeks uh, after I got there to fall back into the old routine. Fell in with the wrong group of people, started going to the clubs on the weekends again, and, uh, and it was like old me all over again. I was lonely, constantly searching for somebody to be with, and that loneliness led to an unsuccessful marriage which led to two children. 
Um, I ended up leaving the Army four years later under a medical discharge uh, due to a, a worsening back injury that I incurred on one of my deployments. And I was, had spent the next seven years uh, going through a, the motions of a loveless marriage. I went to church on almost a weekly basis for my wife's, my then wife's grandma. Um, it wasn't a Bible teaching church and I struggled to get through the sermon on a weekly basis. I was always, always looking for ways to leave the sanctuary, um, <laughs> never growing, never committing, never understanding. I was still angry, still depressed, and still detached. Um, I eventually learned of my wife's adultery, which led to divorce. Um, during this time, I developed a new relationship, when, which ended up being exactly what I needed. This person asked me if I'd consider going to church with her, but I was hesitant based on my past experiences, but she assured me that her church was nothing like that. Uh, I agreed to go for her, and I'm glad I did. Uh, Amanda and I have been married for almost 10 years now, by the way. So this church was different from anything I'd ever experienced. I thought, man, I've, I've never heard this stuff before. I was actually interested. We came back week after week. Uh, I bought a new Bible. I was taking notes, and things were slowly starting to click for me. I started staying at youth group with Colin instead of just dropping him off. Um, I was learning things from, from these kids and from the lessons that we did that, uh, that I just never knew. And let me tell you, being around kids that were almost 20 years younger than me at the time who knew so much more than me, pretty humbling, um, still humbling. <laughs> Uh, but the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn. So we took the membership class, and I decided to embrace Jesus as my Savior uh, for real this time. So I publicly declared my faith through baptism close to seven years ago. And from that day forward, my journey of transformation started. Uh, so goodbye to the old life, right? You know, more like a Midwestern goodbye. It took quite a while to get it out the door. Uh, there are still parts of it hanging out on the porch trying to get back in. <laughs> um, I never had that big aha moment that people talk about. Mine was a gradual build that all started with a seed uh, planted by a woman who was planted by God in my life at just the right time. Um, coming to Christ was not a dramatic moment or a 180 degree turnaround for me uh, instantly, but the, the darkness that consumed me for so long did start to break. I started to realize his love for me despite my flaws, and believe me, there are many. I'm, I'm sure she's agreeing back there. Uh, but step by step, God began healing my past and erasing my burdens. He filled that void that I spent so many years searching to fill with all the wrong things. I've learned the power of forgiveness, not only from God, but also towards myself and others. The change within me was not immediately noticeable, but has been incre increasingly noticeable. Um, I've noticed a significant shift in my outlook and my well-being. I'm no longer consumed by anger and bitterness. Today, I try to live a life pleasing to God. Uh, despite the challenges I face and the uncertainty of my tomorrows, I have the promise that he will never leave me. I do still stumble on a daily basis. Um, I know now that everybody does. The difference is my heart has changed and I'm not okay with those stumbles anymore. Uh, luckily, even though I stumble, his grace is still more. 
sometimes I think because I never had that aha moment that I'm not truly saved, uh, I know that's the devil creeping in, and as a result, I've started trying my best to, to doubt my doubts instead of doubting my faith. Um, I still have so many questions and so much to learn, but at least now I know where to go for my answers. God's love has renewed my spirit and is continually leading me towards personal growth. Um, I accepted the opportunity a handful of years back to lead the youth group, um, which the same youth group that actually helped me uh, get this far. <laughs> uh, still learn a lot of things from the kids, and it amazes me at, uh, at how firm a foundation they have. And last year I was humbled to be appointed as an overseer I felt undeserving of it then, and I still feel undeserving of it now. It was a big step for me, and I didn't think I was ready. I still don't think I'm ready a year later. The thing is, God does things on his time, not on my time. I've learned so much from the other overseers, from Pastor Rich, and from the opportunities that I've had uh, that this role has further cemented my faith and deepened my, upper, my understanding of the impact that God can have on someone's life. When I look back at my life, I can't feel anything but gratitude. My life, once filled with so many bad choices, so much self-induced pain and, and hurt, has, uh, has become unrecognizable, but in a good way this time. God's grace has granted me love, a renewed sense of purpose, and patience. We're still working on the patience part a little bit. I learned a lot of, uh, of very unhealthy coping mechanisms while I was in the Army, which I'm sure all you prior military people can attest to as well. Uh, but through God, I'm learning compassion, forgiveness, and humility. Like I said earlier, my change wasn't immediately noticeable, but it is increasingly noticeable. I have so far to go, but I'm confident with Jesus by my side. I pray to never stop growing in my faith, and maybe someday I'll be comfortable enough to witness to others. Maybe. I'm incredibly uncomfortable up here if nobody picked up on that, by the way. Uh, this is not a declaration of perfection. Uh, nobody is perfect. It's just a story about how the immeasurable power of faith can bring light into the darkest corners of our hearts and lead us to a life filled with hope, joy, and peace, and patience, eventually, hopefully. That's me. Each of our overseers have chosen a song this morning. Uh, so this next song we're going to do is Dennis's pick. It's called Man on the Middle Cross. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the only downside of us coming down in between. But we want to look these guys in the eyes while they're talking. Oh, the monitor. <laughs> save themselves if they tried. All I could think is, man, that sounds like me. I've been the one 
on the left full of guilt and regret long gone on the wrong side of living i've been the one on the right always looking for the fight thinking i could never be forgiven i'm standing here today overwhelmed by grace because i know who paid my cost thank god for the man on the middle cross For me, he went through it. Love like that, I'll never understand. Lord knows I don't deserve it, and I know I couldn't earn it. Let mercy rain down on this desperate man. I've been the one on the left, full of guilt and regret, long gone on the wrong side of living. I've been the one on the right, always looking for a fight, thinking I can never be forgiven. I'm standing here today, overwhelmed by the cause I know who paid my cost. Thank God for the man on the blue cross. is where he went, oh, but that ain't where he stayed. next song is Gary's pick uh, Amazing Grace My Chains Are Gone kind of funny because he said Amazing Grace and My Chains Are Gone but I really like the verse when we've all been there 10,000 years which isn't actually in this song so yeah and then and then after we practiced it this morning we got a message that he wanted to change his song but we said no so because <laughs> we already learned it so so we for for him we threw in the extra verse to this version of Amazing Grace you guys go ahead and stand and sing with us. <clears throat> Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like I once was lost, 
Like snow, the sun forbears to shine. But God, who called me below, will be forever. 
but it is my testimony. First of all, I, thanks, Dennis, for sharing. I, I really appreciated that. And and you said that someday you hoped you could sh share the gospel to people. Well, you just did. You shared it to about 70-some people, plus whoever's watching online. So um, thank you, Dennis. appreciate that. Well, I was... Um, I was raised in a pretty good family, a hard-working farm family. Um, a lot of that uh, is in my background. Went to a mainline denominational church. I was really active in the youth group. Uh, went on mission trips. Sometimes I think maybe I was active in the youth group because of the girl that was there, but I, uh, but I was. From, from most standard, I think by today's standard, <laughs> I was a pretty good kid. I was like, High school athlete, pretty good student, maybe lazy a little bit, but pretty good student. I worked, had part-time jobs, didn't get into any, really any trouble. Um, so I thought I was a pretty good kid. In our youth group one time, um, our pastor was giving a lesson, and I said something really brilliant. I said, I think we're probably doing our time in hell now because we all get to go to heaven, right? Good God, right? He wouldn't send anybody to heaven, to hell, and me. No. The surprising thing is the pastor never challenged that statement. Well, of course, we married um, to a great girl. We had two great kids. We lived in Idaho, had a good job. And uh, things were, I think, pretty well, pretty good. About that time, I had an uncle, Uncle Bob, who was really a nice guy. I mean, he was a peach of a person. Fun to be with, although he had a problem. He was an alcoholic. And looking back at that, I think that a lot of that came from the Korean War. I've kind of since learned and, and I remember something he said to me, that he was in close combat, face to face. I remember him telling me about a situation where a Korean was sneaking up behind him and his partner saved him. I'm sure that had an effect on him, but he was. He was, a, like I said, a great person, but he had this alcohol problem. And he died in a car crash, pulled out in front of a truck. And that really began to make us wonder where is he? What's next? Did he really go to heaven? Do we all go to heaven? We started searching and asking questions. Sometimes we were laying in bed and Adrian, would, we, she would be talking to me, asking questions, and I'm trying to go to sleep. Right? <laughs> but we did. We were searching. We were asking questions. We, were, we realized there was probably something missing in our lives. So Adrian went to town, which was like 70 miles away, when we lived in the mountains of Idaho, to get a, a devotional of some kind. And she ended up buying this Bible. If you remember this one, the Living Bible. Some of you are old enough to remember this. That's a paraphrased Bible. But we, she brought that home and we started reading it. And then, um, as I mentioned, we, we were in the mountains of Idaho in a little town called Loman. And we got a new ranger who was happy to be, that was my boss. Um, 
he was a Christian. And we lived next to them in, in the compound. We started having Bible studies, and a, and a few of us would start meeting on Sunday morning in a little schoolhouse, just a few of us. That um, So we had our own church. And there was a few other people on the compound that were Christians, and then there was a really good couple that worked at the lodge that Adrian spent quite a bit of time with. Um, and then about that time also we hired a retired Baptist missionary. When I say retired, he was still working, but he was no longer a missionary. His name was Don Davis. And he happened to work for me. I was in charge of all the recreation, the campgrounds and that sort of thing. And he was our, what we call a patrolman. Well, we allowed him to take an hour or two off in the middle of his work day. He had to work extra, so we we're, we're giving him free time. But uh, we what they call flex time. So he would actually come and, and lead us in, in our service. I remember one story that he told in an illustration that he was thinking about this wall. It was in my office, actually. We were talking to another person. And he said, this, imagine this wall being perfectly white, pure white paint, not a thing on it. And you walk up to it with a very sharp pencil and you put a dot on it. That wall is no longer clean. It's dirty. And he quoted Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I realized that I was a dirty, dirty wall. Yeah, it was more than a speck. There were mud splatters on my wall even though I thought I was a pretty good guy. But looking back, I was a long way from being good. So Don, he, during the service, he had really explained the plan of salvation. And to me, being the analytical person I am, that made sense. And so I prayed that prayer and asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Well, so what? How did that change? But one of the things that, that really helped me, and, and I, I tend to inherit a worrisome nature a little bit. I don't call it worry, I call it holy concern. But anyway, call it what you want. <laughs> Which reminds me of a scripture, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A great peace that comes upon you when you know Jesus. You know where you're going. You know what the future is. There may be some stumbling blocks along the way, but you know where you're going. I think one of the things that really illustrated the change in our lives was when we lost Jeff and his grandkids. I don't know how I would have handled that if I didn't believe that he was saved and going to heaven. It would be hard. I'm glad I didn't have to go through it that way. But I knew. I knew where he was. He had, you know, he had some troubles, but he had repented of that and, and was going to church, and so he, he's, he was in the right place, and, and we were very thankful for that. 
So that really reminded me then of another song that I wanted to change this morning. But I didn't. I didn't. I really did want to change it because I knew what would happen if I suggested it for real. But it goes like this. And I'm not, I'm not going to sing it. So relax. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. chosen by Chuck and uh, it's yet not I but through Christ in me let's go ahead and stand please Jesus' death and so 
to follow Jesus, for he has said that he will bring me home. And day by day, I know he will renew me until I stand with joy before the Good pick, Chuck. I like that one. started this uh, man I had a lot of things written down here about uh, my life before I came to Christ then I started uh, thinking you know I could I could stand here and tell you a lot of stories a lot of stories about how how I was and, and the bad things that I did in my life a lot of bad things that I did. But I don't want this to be about uh, me then. I want it to be about me now. When I was young, I would go to Sunday school and I went to church and I knew about God and I knew about Jesus. But somewhere along the line, I started living more like the world instead of uh, the way I was taught to live when I was younger. I, uh, I started living uh, living uh, like my peers, like my friends. And uh, that wasn't really uh, living a very good life. I did a lot of partying. I, I thought I was having a lot of fun, and at the time I was. But uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't realize that I was destroying my life. 
through those years, things didn't turn out real well for me. Like I said, I was always in trouble. And I knew that I wasn't living the life that I should be. And this life wasn't taking me anywhere. I knew something had to change. So as I got older, I tried going back to church to clean myself up. And I went to a few churches. They really didn't do a whole lot for me. So uh, I just gave up on church. No matter what I did or what church I went to, things just never got better for me. See, I was trying to clean myself up for God, no matter how much I wanted to be clean. It, it just didn't work. So one day, my wife came home from, uh, from church that uh, she'd been skipping around to a lot of churches. But she came home from this one one Sunday and said, you know, my, my friend took me to a church today, a new church in town, and uh, I want you to come with me next week. And I just thought, man, you know, the salmon are running and Sunday, <laughs> Sunday's my day off and I really want to go catch them salmon. But, well, I, I decided, you know what, uh, I'm going to go with her. Maybe she'll get off my back and realize that church just isn't for me. So I, I went to that church with her that Sunday. And after I sat through the service with her, I, I wasn't really as excited as she was but I heard something there that uh, made me want to come back and listen more so I did and uh, I kept going and I learned more about God's love for me and the grace he has offered to each and every one of us. I'd never heard God's word spoken to me so plainly and so easy to understand. I know now that God led me to that church at that time, at the right time in my life, to hear the truth and be saved. The most important thing that I learned was that all that time I spent trying to clean myself up was time I wasted. I learned that God's grace is given when we accept his son Jesus into our life and accept that God, that gift of grace, that Jesus was sacrificed to pay for our sin. Only then can God's word, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, start to clean us up. Like I said in the beginning of this testimony, I could tell you all the bad things in my old life, but that's not me anymore. The most important thing to me now is my new life in Jesus. I have that only because 
I finally admitted that I can't do this on my own. Jesus, I need you. So now, uh, does this mean I'm sin free? <laughs> no. I, uh, I'm still a sinner, but now I rely on God's grace, Jesus' strength and sacrifice, and the Holy Spirit. I rely on them to restore me, and I know that I can't do anything to save my life. Only Christ in me can save me. So now it's 20 years later, and I'm here at this church still with that preacher who finally told me the truth about salvation and set me free. And now, on Sunday mornings, there's no place I'd rather be than here at Real Life Community Church with all you, my family, my friends, my loved ones. I do have a lot of regrets in my life, but I'll never regret giving it up to Jesus. Logan and Lucas are passing out a handout I want to give you. Uh, we'll talk about this later. Well, we'll get started while they do that. I just want to give you a little background. Uh, I was born in Vicksburg, Michigan, and uh, I was baptized as an infant, so I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> and then we, uh, from Vicksburg, we moved to Glean before we, me and my two sisters were in school. We went to kindergarten and and uh, up to fourth grade in Galeen and attended the Galeen Methodist Church there. And we moved to Three Oaks. And uh, so we went to the Three Oaks United Methodist Church. Up until the time I got married, uh, after I got married, I went to my wife's church, the First Reformed Church, which is the, the Harbor Country Food Pantry right now. Uh, and then uh, later on we came to Real Life Community Church just to, that background I just wanted to show you that I was in church all my life um, I wrote 
my story in the Advent devotional this year. I don't. Did everybody read read that? <laughs> I don't want to relay the the point, but I was in church all my life, and. Uh, I mean, I, I just—it was just part of your life. You just went to church, and you, and, and you did it. Uh, you know, I don't know. I—I uh, I think my mom just wanted to get me out of the house and put me in Sunday school and vacation Bible school and everything else. But I remember uh, when when we got married there and. I was in church, but I, you know, I was just filling up a seat. I, I, I don't know, I wasn't learning anything. I was just trying to keep everybody happy. I remember uh, one day uh, we bought Zoe's parents' house and moved into that, and they built a house next to us. And uh, after church one day, uh, I started mowing my front yard. And uh, my father-in-law came over and said, we don't mow on Sundays. And I, I said, well, I got this, you know. I, I told him that the grass still grows on Sunday. And he, he said, I don't care. We don't mow on Sunday. So I didn't mow anymore on Sunday. <laughs> but anyway, I, I went to Sunday school as an adult Sunday school class we had at church and it was being taught by one of the elders in church and uh, I remember doing my homework that Saturday night which I never did any homework I mean even in high school I didn't do any homework but I read the first 18 verses of John and it just I mean it just like a light went on I just I realized who Jesus was. I did, up to this point, I, I didn't know who Jesus was, and it just from that point on, it just changed my life. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, the next morning, I went to the Sunday school class that we had, and I told the his name was Wayne. The, teacher I, I said you know this is, this is Jesus that God is Jesus and he he didn't say it but he looked at me like where have you been <laughs> and, <laughs> and from that point on my life changed I mean I had to do some behavior changes I had to change the way I thought about things and I also had to change how I talked too. God puts people in your life, whether it's a pastor like Rich or your father-in-law or, or your wife or whoever, God puts people in, in, in your life to bring you to Him. That newspaper article that Luke 
Lucas and Logan just passed out. I just want to, the change in my life, I just wanted to tell people somehow what I had found. And that was one, just an easy way of doing it. And, uh, and I hope that, that you take time to read it and it means something to you. I, I joined the First Reformed Church, got appointed, elected to be a deacon, and I served the Lord that way. Uh, I mowed the lawn, I plowed the church parking lot, I shoveled the sidewalk. I was the maintenance man at church, and that was my way of giving back to, to, to God. Then I real that's why my three daughters were were born, and and Zoe and I knew that we wanted them to have what we had, so we just made sure that we we gave them that gift, and. Uh, I remember uh, my dad was dying of cancer, and uh, Zoe and I went and visited him uh, in the hospital. It'd be the last time that that he would be in the hospital, and Zoe asked him, "said Do you believe that you're going to heaven?" And my dad looked at her and said, that's a given, isn't it? And right then, we knew that he was in trouble. So the next day, we called Rich and told him what my dad had said. And Rich said that, that he'd come out to the house and talk to him. And uh, Rich came out and talked to my dad. And then he came out and gave me a thumbs up. So we knew dad was saved and was going to heaven. To this, the happiest days of my life was when I got married my three daughters were born and I got new life through Jesus Christ and I'm, right now my family's all in this church what, what took my dad 80 years to find out what took me probably 35 to 40 years to find out it only took Jameson about four years to find out. So, just I praise the Lord every day. I, I'd like to leave you with with a couple sentences that uh, came from Rich. I don't know. It's, it could be two years. It could be ten years ago. I don't know. Uh, it was. 
Cody, who was one of those fill in the blanks. Brad was going to put it up. Now let me read it to you. Not everyone who ought to get it does, but everyone who is meant to get it will. Thank you. Stan Todd's chosen song is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus.
next song we're going to do is Jeff's pick, so it's a little bit out of order. Um, Wayne will be the next one you hear from, but this is Jeff's chosen song, Desperado. <coughs> Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? You've been out riding fences for so long now. You're a hard one, but I know that you've got your these things that are pleasing you have hurt you somehow. Don't you draw the king of diamonds. He'll beat you if he's able. In your parts, he's always your best bet. have been laid upon your table but you only want the ones that you can give
coming up next. Strange thing happened to me this morning. I uh, was busy getting this stuff ready. Yeah, I got these up. I'll pop into this one. I, uh, I had to get ready to bring the stuff for the lunch and getting everything ready. And so I came here and uh, got it stuff, came and sat down in church, and I realized I, I left my testimony at home. <laughs> so uh, it'll be short. No, I ran home and got it. But uh, it was interesting to see the different testimonies. This has been a wonderful service. Thank you again for sharing, brothers of the Lord. Uh, I had to have my song sung at the end because if I do, if I had it sung at the beginning, I wouldn't make it through. I may not make it through anyway. But the story of my life is, uh, please be patient with me. God isn't finished with me yet. And my whole story is God is faithful. I really didn't want to do this. <laughs> but my mother used to pray. She was this way too. She'd weep for anything. She'd go to prayer and she'd weep. She'd, something would happen to her, she'd weep. And she prayed, Lord, I please take this away from me. <laughs> I don't like this. And guess what? <laughs> He did. She didn't weep anymore. And she said, that was the biggest mistake of my life. I needed to feel, I needed to feel God's spirit. And so she passed that on to me. And you've got to deal with it too. Okay, I'll start, start at the beginning. Sorry, I, did, I don't have anything in the public. My testimony was not published like Todd was this paper, but thank you, Todd. Thank you for your support of Evelyn and I in the church. Appreciate it so much. But my story goes back, way back to my heritage. And you say, why do you want to talk about your heritage? Well, my heritage is why I, the Lord left me the way he did. My heritage is bound up in the way the Lord has loved my life. Both parents, both my grandparents, on my dad's side and on my mother's side were pioneers, and I mean really pioneers. They homesteaded in Alberta, 800 miles from here. And by the way, nobody will know anything about me, so I can say anything I want. <laughs> <laughs> but they were pioneers in the first sense of the word. They got land, they learned if they wanted a house, they had to build it. If they wanted to raise a crop, they had to turn the soil over, they had to plow the soil. If they wanted to have cattle or animals, they had to place a place for them. In Alberta, it's cold in the wintertime. You had to have some place for them. So everything you'd had, you had to make yourself. If something broke, you had to fix it. So my father and my mother were both the oldest children in the families of these pioneers. My father, grandfather came from Pennsylvania he was a Mennonite, so they are steeped in the Bible, but they also were conscientious objectors, which means they didn't believe in taking up arms. So they would not take, would not go to war. They would be in the army and as a medic, but not taking up a weapon. 
So that was the father's that side. My mother's family came from Denmark. They were not believers. My my father, grandfather, and his brother came to America, Alberta, started farming in eastern Alberta, and um, they started getting up and then things. Two brothers called back to Denmark and said, "We need some wives. We need some women." And so they sent back, and lo and behold, two sisters answered. And so my grandmother was a mail-order bride from Denmark. But they were saved at a camp meeting back in where they were, before my mother was very old. They were saved in a camp meeting. So we have this beginning of believers right from the very beginning. That has affected the way I grew up. My father... And they both, uh, oh, one thing, the reason why the, my grandfather from the dad's side, Peter Nielsen, was a gambler. And he had to give up his cards when he became a Christian. And there were no cards allowed in the house after that. And so when I grew up, there were no cards allowed in our house either. But uh, we could play Rook, which is a game of cards, but it doesn't have the evils, the evil cards with it. <laughs> so consequently, that's the background I grew up in. Then I come. I want just to tell you all this about heritage because I want to point out that God only gives you one opportunity to give a God-given heritage. It's only going to happen once. So if you're not doing it now, make sure you do it before you die because God-given heritage to children is something you're invaluable. Well, I, Evelyn, I wasn't going to do this kind of up impromptu, and Evelyn said, no, you better write some notes down, or you're going to get mixed up, which I do anyway. But uh, if I go too long, it's her fault. <laughs> so my parents knew how to work. They knew, how, they knew the value between God's provision and work and eating. So they grew up with that mentality, and that was passed on to me, not so much as it was to them, because my mother used to tell me some stories about being a, growing up in a pioneer life, and what some of the hardships that we don't even think about, or just take for granted. Well, my story starts when I was born way back in 1940, and I was born in October, and when I was two weeks old, two months old, I got pneumonia. And uh, they couldn't do anything about it. We were living on the farm out in the west. It wasn't right in town. There was no doctor available. They had to doctor me and doctor me, and I quit breathing. Literally quit breathing. And I started turning blue, and my parents didn't know what to do. So my mother prayed, Lord, it's your boy. Do what you want with him. And my grandmother, who happened to be there at Christmas time, picked me up, took me outside the cold, and that cold air hitting me, I started, and I've been breathing ever since. <laughs> so that begins God's faithfulness. Well, I grew up. Church was just 
part of living. If you went to church Sunday school in the morning, Sunday, you went to church worship service, you went to Sunday evening service, you went to prayer meeting Wednesday night. That was just what you did. It was just, you ate breakfast, you went to church. And it was just what, the, what you did. And I grew up with this. It was not a choice. It was just something we did. So I knew about the Lord. I knew about Jesus. And I always knew about Jesus as I grew up. My mother said I prayed to accept the Lord when I was five, but I don't remember that. But I, she said I did, but I didn't remember it. So it wasn't really my personal thing. So we was an active youth group. We enjoyed our friendship with our church family. It was all, our whole life centered around church, everything. And so I went to, always had a Bible camp. Every year we head to a lake with all the kids, Bible camp. But to get to that Bible camp, you had to learn Bible verses. And so when you were younger, you wrote 50 Bible verses. When you got older, you had to wrote 100 Bible verses. When you got to be a teenager, you had to wrote 150 Bible verses. And you couldn't just tell them, tell them mom and dad. You had to preach, say them to the Sunday school teacher or somebody in church. So it wasn't just, uh, oh, yeah, I know them. Do you? <laughs> so we had, we had to learn Bible verses to go to this camp. Well, at this camp, when I was 12 years old, then I made Jesus my Savior. <laughs> I admitted my sin and realized that I needed to be saved. Now, you know, going to church all the time, you get you get so used to it, it doesn't let you sink in. But at that time, I remember saying in my heart, this is what I want. This is my, I'm a sinner. I need you, Lord. Please forgive me. And now I didn't so much, I still cared about what my parents said. And I was careful not to disappoint them, but I was now more concerned about disappointing God and Him. So the Spirit came in and began working in my life. So there's a difference between pleasing my parents and pleasing my Savior. So I grew up in teens. I was always active in different things. We had a very busy teen group. We were in a, a larger church, but out there was was the big church in the conference that we had there. And right in town, there was a Bible school, too. And so I grew up with it always. And then I got involved with a quartet. I, some of my friends and I made a quartet. We called ourselves the Gospel Four. No, the Gospel, the Four Teens, that's what it was. The Gospel, the Four Teens. And we were teenagers, and we sang... Every chance we got, we'd sing songs. So it was, again, again, part of my growing up. And then after I graduated from high school, it was just like going to church. After you graduated from high school, you went to Bible school. There was no, well, we're not going to do that this year. Yes, you are. So from high school, it was at the Bible school. So I went there for four years. And it was there again where I really got in touch with my Lord. And I had a new love for the Bible. A new love for scripture and a new love for letting God have his way in my life. And the verse that came to my mind at college, but Bible school was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lead not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. So that became my life verse. And he's been my life verse all the time. 
So I went to Bethel, in Mountain View for four years, three years, and I was, I was put pressure on me to become a preacher. And I said, you know what? If the Lord wants me to be a preacher, then he better call me to be a preacher because I've seen too many people say, I'm going to be a preacher, and you know, that wasn't the way it didn't do too well. God had to call me to be something, and it wasn't going to be a preacher because I felt that if he wanted me to be a preacher, he'd make it very clear that he wanted me to be one. But I felt called to be a teacher. And my mother was a teacher. And she was before she was married. And so I decided to follow that route. So I went, couldn't go to Alberta. They wouldn't recognize anything at Mountain View Bible College. That's a Bible school. There's no way. But Bethel would recognize my work that I'd done at Mountain View at Bethel College in Mishawaka, Indiana. So I transferred my credits to Mountain View, to Bethel, and my three years at Mountain View translated to two years at Bethel, so I was, came in as a sophomore. So I was a sophomore at Bethel, and right away I got involved in Bible school, a quartet and gospel teams again, just as like there was at Bethel, Mountain View. But something different happened there. I met this girl. Uh, she was something else. Um, I wrote down some of the things I wrote down about her. Um, what did I say? Well, she was smart. She was funny. She was popular. She was a challenge. <laughs> and she was a love the Lord. And uh, there were, I could probably go on for about five or six minutes about this, but you know her, so you know how fortunate I was that God led her to me because she blessed me with her personality and we grew together. Now, she wasn't one that just hit me and I said, that's the one for you. It wasn't that at all. But I certainly knew I wanted to get to know this girl pretty well. And I knew if I didn't hurry up and act about it, there were plenty of other boys that were there that were certainly were certainly quickly ready available to uh, as a matter of fact I had several of them that I had to push out of the way <laughs> but I didn't let go and she said yes and we got married and uh, at our wedding our theme song was Savior like a shepherd lead us <laughs> and the key word is us we were united purpose in desire to serve the Lord we were united in love we were united in our goals we were, in, we're, we're all, both teachers so God united us in a special way and we grew up in a church at LaPorte, Indiana got involved in church again I was, we worked with the youth all through life we were in Sunday school teachers or something so then we have friends that moved to Three Oaks from I remember they were, where they came from. I mean, he was a college friend of mine. He grew up in college. We were college buddies. But they moved to Three Oaks, and he was living here. And he said, you know, why are you going to Three Laporte all the time? We were living on 1,000 North. And he said, why are you going to Laporte all the time? It's a long way. We're, we're real close here. Come on over to our church. Well, in 1970, we moved to the place we live now and uh, started 
realizing that this is a long trip to Laporte every day. So we decided to start coming here and we visited Dick and Mary Ann and we became involved in this church. Again, involved in ministry, involved in music, involved in song leading, involved in everything that you could in the church. But the problem of when you grow up in a church, sometimes you get immune to the sermons. And it, it was interesting. Quite often, the things that spoke to me more than the sermons, I'm sorry, Pastor, <laughs> was when I would sing a song, I'd be singing, and all of a sudden I'd say, boy, you're a hypocrite. You're singing something you don't believe in. At least you're not acting like it. And so the Lord spoke to me often through music, through songs. And he'd say to me, you, <laughs> you shouldn't be singing that song if your, your heart isn't changed. So the Lord always was prompting me with songs. And eventually my buddy and my, Dick Riddle and Mary Ann said, you know, they went to basic youth conference and they said, you need to go there too. Come on with us. Uh, I got enough church. No, no, this is different. So I went to basic youth conference with Dick and Mary Ann and it changed again. God spoke to my heart and changed my priorities, changed my desires, changed my outlook on living for Jesus. And again, when you set aside a time aside to really say, Lord, I want you to work in my life, he will do it. And he did it then. He also did it many times at camp meeting. We used to have a camp. Every year we had a camp over and we would go to camp and again, God used that time to work in my heart. And then we, we said we were going to go for our grandkids. The child would came along with us sometimes several times. But it was me he was working on. And so again, he led me where he wanted me to. So we worked in this church for years. Matter of fact, I was convinced that God wanted me to stay right in this church right here. I worked at a free Methodist church and I gave my heart and energy and finances to it. And so when about 1917, 19, 2015, we started losing people. People started moving away. Our attendance went down. Our finances went down. Our desire to reach out, we're not, we still wanted to, but we didn't have the finances to do it. We were struggling. And I was, here I felt this is where I was called to be. And it was not happening. And so when we voted to close the church, it was devastating in my spirit. But I didn't understand, Lord. We praying for another pastor. We're praying for a new people, and it just weren't happening. And the conference said, "Well, we'll send you a pastor if you want to keep going. We'll send you a pastor." But we knew a retired pastor, but we knew we couldn't. That wasn't going to cut it. So we had a vote for all the people that were members and and people that were going to church at the time, and we voted unanimously. Can you believe that? Unanimously to close the church. Usually there's somebody that said, no, 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 no. But we did. And we looked back, and it was I was dis discouraged. But then when I started thinking about what the church had done, how the Lord had blessed this church, the Free Methodist Church, we had five or six people that had gone out from our church and pastored. We had gone people that were missionaries 
We had people all over the world that were serving the Lord in many many different ways. My friend from Florida, good Christian guy, we meet every year. Dick Riddle and Marianne Riddle, we met here too. And even uh, Shaman, Keith, he was in the Sanctuary class. So, you know, it's not like we were, we didn't, we looked back and we saw how God had moved in our church. And so it was not complete disappointment, but I, we felt lost. So we visited churches, probably five or so churches. And we would, did finally go to that one downtown. And uh, we really felt, felt at home. And then I found out that you were not too happy being down there. You were looking for a church to build in. So I called our superintendent, Bruce Rowe, whose wife was Geraldine uh, Stein, who grew up in this church with the Steins. And his wife and said, you know what? There's a group of people down here that are believers, and they're not like our church was. They have roots in the community. There are families in this community. Consider that group of people when you try to sell this church. Don't be selling it to anybody like, don't put it on the market. And he said, no, we're not putting it on the market. So I talked to Bruce and he talked to those in headquarters and they gave you a price you couldn't say no to. Again, God is faithful. And so now we find ourselves here. Our prayers are answered. We have people. We have a pastor. And again, the song comes to my mind, Great is Thy Faithfulness. So we are here. We're here because I've always felt called to be a minister to this group of people. Now, it was a, it was a free Methodist then, but it's, now it's you. It doesn't matter about the denomination. We are all believers in Christ. We are all children of the Father. We are all his family. So it's just a chance. The family changed, but we're still, I felt obligated and called, yes, called, to be a lay person in this church. So when it happened, I was overjoyed. And I'm overjoyed to become a member. Again, I was going to be anyway. And when I was asked to be an overseer, it was an honor, but I thought, well, that's just what the Lord wanted me to do anyway. So even though you don't vote for me, I'm still going to be a, a follower of the Lord in this church. <laughs> I'm going to do all I can to, to promote Jesus in his, in his ministry. Well, again, my, lo my road has been up and down. It, it's a walk. The walk with the Lord is a walk. He's been many disappointed with me, but he's been faithful to call me back. He's been faithful to say, what are you singing about? That's not you. And again, he has been faithful. And you know what? If you want to know what the finished product is, meet me in heaven and we'll talk about it together. Thank you, Wayne hard on that guy. Pretty awesome. Well, 
I am the last one. I, uh, it was cold out and I layered. I'm regretting that now. <laughs> a little too much, but. So my story, uh, grew up in a Christian home, church upbringing, encountered Jesus at a young age, and lived faithfully. End of story. <clears throat> Wouldn't that be awesome? <clears throat> I wish that were where, uh, where my story ended, but uh, it's not. Uh, that would be a success story of a faithful man. Unfortunately, the beginning of this cautionary tale is of a weak-willed man with shallow roots. That's me. Uh, <clears throat> so the start, the, the, that story was true. I was raised in a wonderful, God-fearing home. Uh, I was baptized my junior year of high school and always considered myself a Christian. As with, as with uh, most things in life, you don't really, uh, you don't know what you're made of until you're tested. Uh, so early in my 20s, I was tested. And it turned out I wasn't made of the right stuff. Um, up until that trial, it was easy to just go through motions. Uh, I was always around family or church, and the struggles were much easier. But now at this point in my life, uh, this, uh, my young adulthood, um, I, was, I was tested and found lacking. I, I was never, in my youth, I wasn't intentionally uh, faking a relationship with Jesus. And I, uh, I really didn't know my faith was weak. Um, you don't really know a, a bridge doesn't work until a huge truck goes over it. And uh, that's you know not the time that you want to find out. So I certainly knew the truth. And when the hard times came, um, I was at a fork in the road. And rather than intentionally uh, lean on my, on my Holy Father, I selected to go it alone. And uh, <clears throat> so as I slowly slipped into a, a me-centered lifestyle, uh, I spent a lot of time comparing myself to others around me <clears throat> as if to um, somehow justify poor choices. You know, I'd uh, look around the world and say, well, I'm not a great guy, but, <clears throat> you know, I'm, at least I'm not that guy. Uh, have a job, pay my bills, I'm not doing, you know, any drugs, you know, like somehow as if that that mattered. And uh, even though it, it does matter, um, but it's secondary to the relationship with Christ. Uh, I figured that out later. And in, in all my uh, stupidity, I never denied a risen Savior. I had, however, <clears throat> become what God said he would spit out of his mouth. And uh, so I was not hot, not cold, just lukewarm. And uh, as a good father does, God gave me the space that I wanted. Um, so our relationship uh, had taken a toll, and the void was growing. Uh, I didn't uh, feel as close to God as I had in my life. And uh, there's no big shock there, because I wasn't talking to him. And as uh, the hole kept growing, that void kept growing, uh, I thought that uh, I could still do things on my own, you know, filled with anger and resentment like several of the stories before. Uh, I just thought I could work on being a better person um, by, uh, you know, pick myself up by my bootstraps, if you will, and, uh, and all the other garbage that self-help books would tell you. 
spoiler alert, that stuff is only, uh, uh, it's only good if you already are fulfilling your only purpose in life, which is a relationship with Christ. And so uh, there I was surrounding myself with the world. Uh, and as they said in the army many times, I was just marking time. Um, and uh, unfortunately for me, there was no, there's no uh, road to Damascus moment in my story. Um, I would love to say that there was. I would love to say that uh, that I didn't know Jesus while I was doing my uh, doing stupid things my own way, and then I met Jesus and it changed my life. Unfortunately, that's not my story. Um, but at some point in my repeated failures, I realized this ain't working. So instead of uh, just trying to push through things with this positive attitude, uh, I just gave up. But I gave up on trying so hard. I, uh, I gave up on um, trying to do it my own way and, and do the right thing. Um, and I just started to spend some more time in prayer and spend some more time in, wor in the Word and, and the biblical truth. And it's not, uh, it's not magic. You know, it just um, the more I did that, the more I desired that. And so I started to learn that instead of uh, trying to subtract all the worldliness out of my life, I just needed to add more heavenliness. If, I don't know if that's a word. I'm going to use it. But it's, it was a mathematical equation that I didn't understand in my 20s as a young adult. If I fill myself up with so much Christ, there's no room for the world. So uh, a lesson that paid huge dividends later in my life uh, because as my choices improved so did everything around me so in my life I fell in love with my beautiful wife became a father and had uh, more meaningful relationships so <clears throat> when real struggles that actually uh, that we've encountered over the years required real strength to get through I was blessed to be able to lean into my faith and get through those trials. So at this point, here I am, half century old and uh, far from perfect. Uh, I'm so far from it that I can't even see it. Uh, and if you've ever uh, been in the car with me when somebody cuts me off, you know that. Uh, but I'm working on it. And, uh, and I should say that I'm not working on it but I'm letting God work in me and so that I reflect Jesus more clearly. Um, Rich asked us for music. And it's funny until I started thinking about it. Uh, I, I didn't really put it together, but um, something that would relate to my testimony. And I should have said uh, there's a Mercy Me song that really nails my life, and it's uh, Dear Younger Me. And they write lyrics as someone that's able to write a letter to their younger self. I mean, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be cool to be able to do but they sing in there dear younger me I cannot decide do I give some speech about how to get the most out of my life or should I go deep and try to change the choices that you'll make because they're the choices that made me and even though I love this crazy life sometimes I wish it was a smoother ride and uh these lyrics really uh, kind of nail for me because while I am thrilled to be where I'm at, 
in my life now, I would love to be carrying less baggage. And uh, that would be a good uh, blessing. And But God was faithful, and he held me, even when I did my best to not be held. And now my faith certainly looks a lot more like the last little pig in the story than the first little pig. And so when the big bad wolf comes, to huff and puff, and he will come. I am prepared with a firm foundation. Thank you. So our closing song is Wayne's choice that he referenced during his talk, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Go ahead and stand, please.
say something really profound here, finish the service, I believe Doug is wrong on the issue. So I can add this in. Instead of one really long sermon, you've got six very good sermons. So, um, with that, let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for all of your grace, all of your faithfulness. Long before we were ever aware of your working, Lord, you prepared generations before us to bring us to your cross. And now you're using all of it to shape us to be more like Jesus. I don't have words to express the gratitude that we have for you, Lord. And so I pray that you would help us in this family in view of your mercy to make our bodies, our very lives a living sacrifice it's the only reasonable spiritual act of worship we can render thank you for these faithful men for putting them in a position often uh, in ways that they would never have dreamt or aspired to to be exactly the men that we need to lead us by your calling, guided by your word, empowered by your spirit, relying solely on the grace of your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that they know, as we all must know, it's not I, but through Christ in me. These things we pray in the name of your son, by the power of your spirit, and for your glory alone.